Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke, and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, is once again across the internet for me. He's wearing holsters. You can't see it if you're listening to the audio podcast. It looks ridiculous and incredibly cool what? at the same time. Oh, yeah. There we go. How are you doing, Brad? Feeling cool. Feeling like a badass. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just, I don't know. I know I shouldn't have these on for the podcast, but I had this, like, I got to rob a bank right after this, and I just, I needed to be ready, so I've got my, like, my go, my go gear and my holster on, but uh, happy to talk. What are we talking today? Surface gear, Surface laptops, iPhones, some Alexa, Amazon stuff that just happened today, and I'm ready, ready to squeeze that in before my heisting, so happy. The toque you're wearing really completes the, the heist look. Yeah, yeah. This is, it's actually imagine if I just pulled it down and the whole time I hadn't said anything to you guys and it was a face mask. Just, just in the middle of the podcast. <sighs> yeah, just ballot club. I gotta go pull it down, get up, walk out. I wish. No, it's a regular toque. It's, it's roots, it's Canadian. We also have John Lamont on the podcast again with us today. You've been on like every recent episode, right? Pretty yeah, much. I, at least I was I was definitely on the last one, uh maybe the one before that too. I've been on a couple. I'm here. We, we got. We you know. We got to get you off here. Got to get. Got to get some. Yeah. some new gotta, you got to get some some new blood in here. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> cut it. The podcast ends. Beep. It just restarts. Hey, welcome to the Syrupcast. Today we have Dean Daly. <laughs> That'd be so funny if we did that. <sighs> just, just, just planning like elaborate jokes for the small podcast podcast or audience podcast audience mix those up the jokes are really just for us yeah honestly yeah no one no one would even get them Uh, but this this week we are once again talking about apple it's no longer like a preview us guesstimating how we're going to feel about these devices both brad and i have used um well i've used the iphone 13 series and brad's used the ipad mini our reviews are up on the site so you can check those out if you want more detail and there was also Microsoft's big Surface event where we saw like a slew of new devices revealed. We're going to talk about that as well. John's going to handle most of that podcast because most of that part of the podcast because uh, the last two weeks have been a bit of a blur for, for me. And I, I honestly don't even remember Microsoft's Surface event. I think there was like a, a laptop that was shaped like a tent or something like that. Is, is that Everything correct? was shaped like a tent. Oh, yeah. Great. It was, it it was, was the, the tent, the tent, tent event. podcast. Yeah. Panos Panay, like he had crawled out of a tent where he had been fasting for 12 days or something. And he just got on stage and he just delivered presentation of a lifetime. He did. It was a very emotional presentation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell if I don't have kids, I don't even know if I ever will. But if I do, I would tell them about it. I pop in the old Panos Panay VHS and just sit them down and be like, watch this. And let's talk about our feelings after. That stream onto a VHS. That would require a lot of technology. It's a mobile syrup video idea in the making. (laughs) A pretty significant change because the last time 
I was in an in-person Microsoft event was uh, when they first unveiled the Pro, the mm-hmm. Surface Pro X. Um, and Panos was there, but he definitely was not as emotional that time. So the pandemic know, happened to him. him. He's yeah, changed. Definitely. He's changed into a different person, I think. Um, but before we get to the Surface event and the iPhone stuff, Bennett hit us with the hottest news of the week. Yeah, there's there's a ton this week. It's actually crazy. Um, so TikTok hit a billion users. I don't know. I, I have so much to say and so little to say about this at the same time because I kind of like hate that this happened. But I'm also not really surprised that this happened. Um, but one thing that's been going on in my head ever since I read this is like, you know how like every so often you'll see a director. I, I'm going to be throwing in some names even though I don't know if these people actually said this. But like Scorsese or somebody, they're like, oh, the digital is killing movies. We're going to keep it on film and it's like i really think the the argument we should be having is not digital versus film but really at this point widescreen versus portrait like you know it's at what point does portrait video become just as important as widescreen video you know or has it already i have two thoughts yeah i now watch content like tv shows and stuff on my phone that's something that's happened to me over the course of the pandemic but but in landscape mode in in landscape yeah, yeah sure um Never thought I'd say that. I have a TV like right in front of me and I find myself like watching Apple TV plus shows on my phone for whatever reason. Don't know why. Weird psychological thing. I, th- and I think Zack Snyder predicted the future. Was yeah, it was in a square. Justice League cut, the 4-3, the square. Yeah. Then it works either way. Put it anywhere. Watch it wherever. Widescreen. Yeah. Instagram stories. Portrait. Watch it on your half-closed Galaxy Flip Z3. Z Flip yeah. 3. Um, what was the second the point you had, Pat? Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, so TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Mm-hmm. I, I watch a lot of content on TikTok. I think there's like some really fascinating stuff on there, like a lot of creativity. In some ways it reminds me of like the early days of YouTube when things were extremely raw and not super produced and every single YouTuber didn't have like their own five million dollar studio. Yeah. And then there's a lot of stuff on there that's absolutely pure garbage and scary and terrifying. And in some ways, I feel like the probably hour a day that I spend on TikTok is just slowly melting my brain, just deconstructing all of the synapses. And my brain will be goop in, in roughly a month if I continue to watch TikTok. Do you think that, that's my other point? Of, do you think it will stay this way? Sort of this like brain melting zone of like youth content? Or do you think it will become. Like oh, it's YouTube gonna be, become very highly produced it, down the line. It's already starting. It's it's going to become yeah. like YouTube, like the exact same thing. I think within two years, if it's able to sustain the popularity that it has now, and if it already has 1 billion users, despite all the difficulties that it's faced over the course of the last two years, like it's just going to keep growing. It's, it's yeah, it, it's going to keep going. Do you have any TikTok talk that you want to uh, drop on us, John, before I move on? Nope. Do you hear all the rhymes in there? John has no. nothing. No, okay. I, I have... Pat says you're not allowed to talk about TikTok anymore, John. Sorry. <laughs> that was perfect timing. I j- literally just muted my mic so that I could answer Dean. He's messaging me. Uh, but um, no, I don't really have anything to say about TikTok <laughs> other than I've kind of gone in the opposite direction uh, over the course of the pandemic. I tried TikTok briefly and then stopped using it because I was like, I spend way too much time on it. Yeah, but I also did that with a bunch of, of social media. So Basically, the only social media I use on a consistent basis now is Twitter, and occasionally I'll I'll scroll Reddit. But like I use that to follow a couple like video game communities that I'm interested in. That's really about it. 
Nice. Yeah, I find myself Twitter, Reddit the most. And it's just like, wait, do you mean to raise your hand? Okay. No, um, I did not. And yeah, and even at that point, it's just like, I don't even really do that much on them anymore. Um, but let's move on. So the next thing is the MacBook Air redesign that we were hoping was maybe going to come out at the end of this year. I don't know if I was ever really feeling it, but apparently it's been pushed back to late 2022. Pat, care to comment? I never thought that this was going to come out like okay, this year. So there's no surprise. So, I don't really know why anybody was surprised about it. Like, I think Ming-Chi Kuo, the very famous Apple analyst that we cite in like five stories a week, I thought that he said that it was already going to come out in 2022 and that it was the pros that were supposed to come out by the end of the year, like late October, November or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. like, I I wrote this story because it was something worth writing, but I wasn't surprised at all. This was like what I already expected. I do think that the air is probably going to be the the one worth buying when it does come out because it's it's going to have like the new m1 chip it's supposed to have four USB-C uh thunderbolt 4 ports um total redesign adopting like the colors of the you can't see it on camera but like the colorful imac that's sitting beside me um it seems like it's going to be like the killer laptop that that everybody wants yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see when it comes out but yeah i guess at this point or at least in the rest of 2021 it seems more likely that apple will bring the computers that don't have m series chips into the m realm before updating ones that already do that's kind of what i see about it all right um this is one that i wrote but it's tesla self-driving beta gets a button and the button allows people to opt into the self-driving beta kind of although it doesn't seem available in canada but once you press the button you're given a week where the car, the computer on the car will like track you and see like how well you're driving, if you're doing like heavy braking and things like that. And if at the end of the week your score is good enough, then you can opt into the self-driving beta and the car will drive itself. Kind of, it'll drive itself with you. You still have to have your hands on the wheel and pay attention because it's not like full self-driving regulation just allow for that. But potentially the car can drive itself from point A to point B, regular city streets, highways, wherever, um, once you opt into this. And I don't know, I kind of like hate this because I don't want like people testing self-driving cars on like roads where I'm like walking around and like driving because I don't want to be like, I don't want my legacy to be like Brad Bennett, like second dude to be taken out by a self-driving car because there was already that one person, you know, whether that Uber. There's been, Uber I think hit. there's been a couple instances around the world. Where people have died though? Um, I think there's been fatal crashes. Probably, you're right, wanna, there probably has been. I think there's been fatal crashes. I don't know how many, I don't. Right, and how many of those we can like attribute to autopilot yeah. because of what Tesla says too, I guess. But either way, it's kind of a sketchy situation. And then on the other hand, it's kind of like I do like the bad boy attitude of Tesla being like, "Hey, we don't care. Test self driving on public roads. Keep up with those governments." Of, Go it's kind of like a really uh, move fast and break things mentality, yeah, similar definitely. to like what Facebook had, but potentially with much much worse uh, consequences. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. That's and the consequences with Facebook doing that were fairly dire in like a subtle ways. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It's pretty weird. And like the other thing is too is even if you are like a really aggressive driver and the car says like no, you're too aggressive, you can't get into the beta. You can just try again. Like just keep trying. And like if, as is... long as you have one week where you're like not aggressive, you can get in. It's not in Canada though, right? As far as I can tell, no. Okay. Um, but it might come here. I have. I probably need to do more looking up on like the Tesla because this happened yesterday or two days ago. Um, I think it was yesterday. Time yeah. is a flat surface, though. 
Um, but I could check with some of the more like Canadian Tesla sources that I, I sometimes am like reading and see if anything has changed. But as far as I was aware, they were like reporting that there was no and Elon was saying nothing on Twitter, even though like getting out of him getting anything out of him on Twitter is kind of a pain anyway. Oh, he loves um, to tweet, but half the time it's not actually true or accurate. Or it's just like sort of half a thing. It's like, this is happening. People are like, what, like, yeah. is it happening to this car or this car or this place? And are we all, it's a mess. Totally. Um, but yeah, moving on from that. Oh, I guess the last thing about this whole like testing situation for the button is like, it doesn't even make sense to me. I don't know how, if it makes sense to you guys, but like, do a, does how aggressive you drive really relate to how cautious you would be with a car driving itself? I, I feel guess... like testing my car driving itself is like way different because maybe like I drive and I have a good time, but if like my car's driving, I'm going to be paying attention to it because like I don't trust the car, you know? My it's guess, weird test. like just, just my gut would say that like they have some sort of correlation between where they have, they think there's some core of correlation or maybe they have some sort of data where it's like, because when the, when the car is self-driving, right, you, I'm assuming that the way that it still works is you still have to be attentive to the road yeah, and like exactly. what's happening, right? I'm assuming that there's some sort of correlation between like people driving aggressively and actually remaining attentive or something. I, I don't know. It, it really doesn't make sense to me either. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of strange. Also, a little aside, Pat, yep. I don't know if you're seeing this, but I'm not seeing a waveform for either me or you in the Zencaster thing. I am seeing a waveform for all people. So I think. Yeah, I am too. Okay. Just um, wanted to bring that up before we no, get too much deeper. Of course. Um, the other thing, this one's actually been blowing up on the site. Wendy's Canada is launching a phone. I should, I, it's a, it's a Samsung galaxy a 11, the Wendy's logo on the back. There'll be an app in it or a voice assistant that will respond to, Hey, Wendy's. And, uh, so we got says Wendy's phone. You can go to Wendy's Twitter, Wendy's Canada Twitter account right now and try to win one. People are really, really enjoying reading that story. And it is hilarious. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. That's like my reaction to it. Like, okay. In Wendy's defense, like it's kind of funny, right? Like it yeah. is, it is funny. It's so I mean, like I, th I thought the KFC thing was kind of funny too. I just feel like so many of these fast food places have, have done this already that it's like Wendy almost just like folding in on it. You know what I mean? Like it's a little late at this point. Wendy, but like Wendy's. <laughs> the KFC bucket thing, it was like a, it was, they called it a KFC console, but it really was just like a little warming closet that you could put chicken in and warm up chicken, um, which is like, who wants that? But this is a phone. Like you could, you, you could legitimately win this phone and use it for a year, you know, and your everyday phone could just have the Wendy's logo on the back. That kind of sounds a little dystopic now that I've said it out loud, but I, I don't know. I thought that was funny. My aunt had a it's Tim Hortons bike that it's she won funny. from roll up years ago. And um, I ended up using it for like a lot of, my years and i always thought it was hilarious just like having so this random you're, bike you're trying to get this phone too right like you reached out yeah. to wendy's yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you're right I'll, I'll, my biases are out on the table i want the wendy's phone <laughs> full full disclosure yeah i think that if you if you don't get it like if they don't send it to you we have to make our own wendy's because it's just a no wendy's like a, it's just like let's make a different 11, brand isn't it? yeah yeah it's a galaxy a11 they did confirm that i asked them and they told me okay Galaxy A11. So it's like a low-end, really low-end Samsung phone. I think I looked it up before the podcast. It's like 175 bucks. It's, a, it's a, like, yeah, you can only use it for like a year before it's probably going out of date. But yeah, that's it on the Wendy's phone. Unless anybody else has anything else to say on it? No. It's the future. It's future yeah, honestly, 
it is the future of marketing. We'll probably be seeing a lot more branded phones. Car companies have been doing it with Chinese phone companies for years. So it's just a matter of time before we get the McDonald's phone and we get, you know, the Adidas phone, all kinds of stuff. Um, the last thing, the, uh, the Nike Apple Watch. You're right. Edition. The Nike Apple Watch That's is a thing. good. A good. It's like a very subtle tie-in because it makes almost so much sense. But you're right. That is like a, a branded partnership as well with tech. Um, this last one I just ruined because this happened right before the podcast, but today is the Amazon event day. And the only thing that's coming to Canada out of that event is a giant 15-inch wall-mounted smart display. You don't have to wall-mount it, but it, that's it. Um, it's pretty boring. It's whatever. Kind of exciting. If you want a giant smart display to use more of like as a family hub for your calendar and stuff, it'll do that. But the real star of the show was a robot called Astro. It looked like Wally with two cup holders in the back. <laughs> a periscope camera um amazon talked a lot about how it spent like years working on the code so that it can like drive around your house effectively which excites me because like i don't know imagine that I, when i imagine it in my head it's like bumping into walls and stuff but imagine if it doesn't imagine if you're like yo uh what's his name astro come over here and bring me my like pepsi that's in the cup holder and it just like zips over to you like with the spatial awareness of like a human that would be insane so two things on this one yeah. It's only in the U.S., correct? For now, but they've like sort of promised like they're working on robots for the next like five years. They think in five years everyone will have a robot in their house, and Amazon wants to be at the forefront of that. Okay, so, so I think within that time period, they'll be coming to Canada and the rest of the world. I'm gonna find a way to get my hands on this because I like I remember <laughs> when the Echo first launched. I got I like yeah. imported it from the states. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna drive it around my house. That, that's what I'm gonna yeah. Do, do it. Do it. They're like they are actually selling them to like Amazon One members in the states for like a grand. I think there's like an early bird price of a thousand dollars USD, and then it's gonna go up to like fifteen hundred or twelve hundred somewhere in that range. Um, yeah, pretty crazy. I don't know. I guess the the question to ask amongst ourselves, just in like pure reaction, is like, do you see this in your life? Like, no. do you want this, or do you know anyone that this would benefit? Absolutely not. Like, no, eh? no, no one wants like a robot with a camera on it rolling around their house. It's supposed to be like a security bot and a moving Amazon Echo. Like, we at least I think it's cool because it's Dude, like a put stupid cup holders tech on thing. Yeah, the, the idea of like putting a couple, like it's funny and it's neat and it's kind of <laughs> cool, but like the average person's not going to go buy this. Yeah. Yeah, I guess at that price, definitely not. But like imagine, uh, I kind of want it. Anyway, that's it for the uh, the hottest news of the week, or should I keep it? Okay, I'm going to keep talking. We'll keep talking about the Astro if you want to go fix that. Just just for like one minute. Yeah, 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 that's okay. Um. John, you didn't really actually say much. No, I didn't. Think like, you have a robot really. vacuum, but you don't think the Astro would be so. Useful? I'm. Well, will it be useful? Maybe. Um, mm. But probably not that useful. The robot vacuum is useful because it doesn't have a camera on it to spy on me, and also it uh, cleans my house. I don't yeah. think Astro is going to clean my house. What if it did? Awesome. If, if it, it did, okay. As well, that'd be pretty cool, actually. That would that would be better. That would be more useful. Yeah, but uh, I don't. I don't think I need a cup holder on wheels to bring me drinks from the fridge. Yeah, I definitely I, need is not the word I want to be using. I 
want yeah. it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, here's a question. Compared to Samsung's like Volley robot from two years ago, two, yeah, two years ago, it was at CES 2020, so not quite two years ago, but do you remember that guy? Yeah, it never yeah. came out. It was canceled. Yeah, but it was essentially like a little ball the size of a softball that had a camera on it and was meant to follow you around in sort of a similar aspect to this and like control smart home devices through like IR or like through Wi-Fi preemptively as you like move from room to room and like a few other things. I think it also maybe had like Google, a Bixby, a Bixby in it, I think. Um, so it was like a more subtle version of this. Do you guys think like that's a better implementation or do you think like having this giant smart display on wheels that it also is pretending to be a robot and has robot eyes is better. I don't think anybody wants this. Like, I, I don't know why it. they keep making these things. Like no one's actually going to put this in their house. That, that would be my like definitive answer. I think it's cool. I think it's funny, but like no one's actually going to buy this, I guess. Is what I'm Even saying. five years from now. Nope. Robots aren't catching on. Nope. Okay. All right. Never, never. No. All right, I'm back. The headphones are working. Apologies. Um, do we want to talk about the iPhone 13? I think we yeah. we talked about the fact that there's not going to be any robots in the future, and I just want to go somewhere and be sad. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Let's talk about so, the iPhones. So we won't we won't take up too much time because like last week was very much an Apple focused episode of the show, and most of our suspicions and like early impressions just based on like press releases and what we saw at the event, at least for me, were were pretty accurate. Like, so my reviews are on the site. I won't rehash everything that I say about the 13 pro and the 13, but, um, generally speaking, like I think both phones are a very solid, but extremely expected update. There's nothing exciting about either device. Like they really look identical to their predecessors. I really didn't see the low light camera improvements that other people at other publications saw. They do look better, low light photos, particularly, even just like broad daylight photos look better. You'll see more detail, less noise, but it's not the same as the jump from like the 11 to the 12 or the 10 to the 11. It's super incredibly incremental. That said, I do like the 120 Hertz display on the 13 Pro and uh, the 13 Pro Max. Stunning, best display I've ever seen, obviously, that's the case because it's supplied by Samsung. People love to point that out every single time you say that the screen looks great. Apple makes like nothing in their phones. That That's just the way phones work. Like it's all disparate parts from other companies um, with, with like the processor and some core components being the exceptions in that case. Battery life improvements, incredibly useful, I guess. It's like one yeah, hour course. for both yeah, devices, which depending on how you feel about battery life could be pretty significant. I, I think the key, makes... I think the key with the battery life improvements is that it brought the, the sort of it brought the 13 mini into a more usable realm. Yeah, I, I mean, an hour is an hour, right? Like any way you look at it, for me, that's not a lot, but for someone else, that could be the the difference between like their phone dying when they're out at night and or them dying, or, like needing to plug it in for a couple hours before they go out. Like that really is a big a big difference in in some contexts. I think um, I think it is kind of impressive when you factor in the 120 hertz display on the pros as well. Because that is going to hit battery pretty hard, um, depending on how much you use it. Uh, and so for you, them to claim, okay, you've got an extra hour of battery life and you've got the 120 hertz display, I think that's a pretty impressive no, jump there. They did also make the batteries 
bigger across the board. Like I, I find the iPhone 12 Pro Max, which is the one that I've been using the most, I find it really heavy now. Um, and I know it's just like a little tiny bit of difference in terms of weight, but you feel it like you feel it when you hold it. Yeah. Um, so there is like, there is a trade off with that. Uh, like in, I know you guys are going to ask me some questions about the devices, but like in, in conclusion, like if you own an older iPhone, like 11 or a 10 or an XR or or whatever, like an earlier device, this is a really good update. Like it's a great year to buy an iPhone. But if you own a 12, don't get the 13. If you own a 12 and you were considering the 13, maybe you want to like step a, take a step back and examine your life and <laughs> realize that you don't need to purchase a new iPhone every year. Like it's not necessary. But if you're that type of person who does buy a new one every single year, this is not the year to buy one. Wait until next year, unless you're using an, an earlier device. Or unless you care a lot about cinematic mode, which I think is like the real big differentiating feature it's unfortunate because it like it probably shouldn't be because it's yeah. software but realistically it's like the one thing that the 13 has over the 12 like yeah slightly better screen but like the 12 screen wasn't that bad slightly better camera but the 12 camera wasn't that bad slightly better battery life but the 12 battery life wasn't that bad cinematic mode just simply doesn't have cinematic it's mode. cool it's really really cool it looks fake but I don't think that matters, especially in the context of like shooting videos on an iPhone. Like it's fine that it looks fake. That content's going to look super cool on Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, basically, for those who don't know, cinematic mode is um, like it fakes like rack the rack focus or depth of field that a more expensive like DSLR or whatever would have. And it does it specifically through um, like an algorithm. So you could like I, I, there's a demo of um, you just focusing using that feature on my partner in my review where I like focus on her, then on the water in the foreground and then back on her. And it, it's really rapid, really quick, looks really cool. I think for me, the the thing that's tough with it is just the fact that like, I don't believe Apple that they couldn't get it to work on the 12. Like I think they could have, yeah. and they knew that this year was very much an incremental update and they needed something else to try to sell it. Right. So they, they kept that exclusive. Um, yeah. Which is a little bit disappointing. Put cinematic mode on the iPad mini, you cowards. That would be sick. I was, I would also like to jump in and say I'm kind of in that market of being in a spot where the 13 would, would be a good upgrade for me because I've got the iPhone XS uh, kicking around here. So, you know, going to the 13 would bring a lot of benefits. I would get 5G in an iPhone, which is a, kind of a benefit in Canada, but not really yet. It's good and nice to have, future, I would call it. It would be nice to have. Um, the 120 hertz has me super excited. The only feature that Apple has announced really in the iPhone 13 that I don't care about at all is cinematic mode. I don't see myself ever using that. It just yeah, yeah, doesn't I think look that's that good fair. to me. Like, I, I was watching a video about it earlier. With It was a Canoopsie video, and he was saying like the if you lower the like fake aperture down to like an F16 or something, it, it, it's a little more convincing. Um, it's a little more subtle. And it actually, it's, I mean, no, I, I get how you're, I get how like, it's definitely something that's like, you're like, yeah, I would never use that in my life. And I'm not saying that it's like the reason to get an iPhone, but if you do like it, then it really is the only reason, you know? I, I think you, yeah. if it's something that you are into, I think you would get more improvement out of that than you would out of the screen refresh rate over the course of like the next year. 
Absolutely. I think, yeah, for, for the people who use their iPhone to film video all the time and, you know, find that stuff interesting, definitely a cool feature to have. I just, I feel like for me and probably most people, it's something that's kind of like, oh, it's cool. And they might play with it and then never use it again. Right. It's kind of like one of those gimmicky features. I never shoot video with my iPhone, to be fair. Like that. I take photos with my mm-hmm. smartphones all the time, but video mm-hmm. is not a thing. But that's more just that I don't shoot video, period, very often. Fair enough. But I think that's changing. I think the generations below us are, are much different. Even though, even a lot of my friends, yeah. you know, anyone that's like big enough on Instagram is posting stories that are vid- like they are videos, you know? Like you might not think you're taking videos, but you're posting like videos of some kind quite people are quite often and uh is the other thing that i guess we should talk about and it's kind of even a smaller thing the cinematic mode and i guess that's why i kind of forgot about it but there's that macro camera yeah i totally forgot about that i i like the macro camera i think it's sick Um, sick it's really fun it works Um, really well it's super consistent i know there's issues with like being too close to an object in macro mode enabling when you're just trying to take a, a wide angle shot. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't have that happen a single time, but I know that that's a problem that a lot of people that reviewed the device cited. I it's, it's really cool. It's, it's great. I just think that like macro photography is very like a me thing. Like I really like it. I've always been interested in macro photography, often thought about buying like specific macro lenses. Yeah. I don't think it's something that like the average iPhone user is really that interested in doing if, that's if that makes sense um but i could be wrong like maybe apple will get like usage stats where people are really really into macro photography i don't know they must have some data or they wouldn't have added it to the phone right well i mean it's like at this point though with macro photography and cinematic modes being like the only not the only i don't know why i keep saying that but like some of the the sort of like major upgrades of this year it's like they kind of just it's like they almost had to do it because they had to do something yeah that's true i had to do anything this year to like differentiate the phones you know so is there anything else we wanted to touch on regarding the pro and the the iphone the iphone 13 pro and the iphone 13 or do we want to move on and talk about the ipad mini yeah i guess i guess that's kind of it i don't know they're fine and to be honest okay here's what i'll like say from like my perspective I don't take that many videos on my iPhone, but I'd like to, and I'd like to have the best iPhone camera with me when that happens. And I have an iPhone 12 Pro and I want an iPhone 13 Pro. I probably won't get one um, unless I end up doing something for work related to one, even though I don't necessarily know if I need to. Um, But like, I don't know, as like a gadget nerd who's like really into phones, obviously why I work here. And as like someone who just likes taking video and likes iPhones, I'm kind of sold on the 13. I don't know. I know this is like kind of a dumb position to have, but I, I think that's kind of like where I'm sitting. Every time I like see a video with one, it's like, damn, like I kind of want it. I kind of want it, you know? So, <laughs> I don't know. This Speaking is of things that people want, I really want an iPad mini. And <laughs> that is a completely irrational thing for me to want because I have so many iPads floating around, like an iPad Air and an iPad Pro and like an entry-level iPad, like I don't need a mini, but I think the mini looks incredibly cool. Like it's probably one of the more exciting iPads Apple's released in the last little bit. I know we want to move on to the Surface stuff, but quickly, Bennett, do you want to just like summarize what the what the new iPad mini is? It's a, a mini iPad Air, essentially. The new iPad Air, no, like realistically, when the iPad Air got updated to the Square Design USB-C Apple Pencil Gen 2, 
the mini has essentially followed suit with a slightly faster chipset, although Apple has clocked it down. So I think the specs are probably quite comparable on the two of them. And in day-to-day use, it's fine. I was able to run like Photoshop on it, no problem, um, which is actually super fun because when you can just sort of like pinch to zoom and actually just like mask and paint things out with the pencil, um, just while like kind of holding it on your lap in like a really like relaxed position on the couch and not having like a big device to fumble around with was was really exciting. And being able to like go out and take photos, this is a, like both of these are like photography related, but you know, Photoshop, or if you're taking photos, like you can just take your camera and this in like a really small bag and there you're like good to go you know for like the whole day so it's got this the squared off design right of the air and the pro and yeah. and the iphone and the iphone yeah and the and Ma- US- iMac USB-C as well yep got it all would you and actually the one thing i'll say about USB-C is i like it a lot because i can use my existing USB-C accessories which is mainly just a USB-C card or an SD card reader for my laptops with my iPad which I could have done with the lightning one before, but the sort of sleeper hit of it is just like, I can charge it anywhere. Like every device that either me or my girlfriend uses with the exception of our iPhones right now uses USB-C to charge. So like no matter where you are in our house at this moment, like couch, bed, office, desk, like random corner with the table, like there's a USB-C charger there because like someone has been there previously charging something. And now there's just like a charger there. So like no matter anywhere I am in my house right now, if I'm just like sitting with the iPad, I'm like, oh, it's dying. And I can just like pick up the charger and plug it in. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but the more devices you have on one ecosystem of like charging, it just becomes so convenient. Like my camera, headphones, laptops, iPads, Android phones, like everything is on USB-C and, except for the iPhone. And it's just like, yeah, it's nice. It's really nice. That's I, actually a pretty huge benefit. Yeah. Um, I kind of get the same thing to a little extent uh, with my wife because she uses an iPhone primarily, but I usually use Android. And I have like a million USB-C chargers for from reviewing stuff for the last few years. So yeah. there's like every room in the house, basically every outlet has a USB-C charger. And she has one lightning charger for her iPhone that she carries with her from room to room, depending on where she needs to charge her phone. And so sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, like, for it, sure. makes, it makes life so much easier having that. Yeah. It's like a weird situation, but like if you have, this is like a little bit off topic. You have friends. You're like, what do I get them? Just get them charge. Give someone like two chargers and be like, here you go. Like now you can just like leave one at your desk, one at your like office and have one on the go. Oh, like, every, a lot of people, a lot of iPhone users in particular just have like one charger. People need like having multiple chargers to not worry about it is, is like kind of a surprisingly like chill zen moment. It's because the phone people, doesn't come with a charger anymore. It, yeah, even that's a huge thing of it too. It's just like I don't know, like having chargers everywhere, super great gift. When before I worked in mobile syrup, had I've been like given you know for cables and chargers for like Christmas and stuff, I would have been happy. I don't know. I don't know why more people don't give out cables. Trick or treat. So t- trick or treat. Lightning for, cable. I could, I could literally do that. I have so many cables. To be quite vegan honest. case. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so two more questions about the mini one, I guess it, it's two different questions. I'll ask them at the same time, but all right. Um, would you recommend people get this? Like, is this the iPad to get? And also the release, the rollout of the mini hasn't been incredibly smooth. Like there's issues related to jelly scrolling. And you also talked about uh, in your review in particular, you emphasize the fact that there's like pressure issues with the display. Like you can really easily see the pressure when you're when you're using like the stylus or even just your finger yeah so 
Um, I'll just address them in the order that you asked them, actually. Um, so I would say, is this the iPad to get? If you really like small iPads, yeah, for sure. As powerful as you need, USB-C is a great addition. Apple Pencil 2 is awesome. The fact that it magnets to the side, although it's like $169 upgrade in Canada, which is like pretty pricey for a stylus, but kind of like you want to have it with the iPad, I think. You could get by without it, but if you're going to do any kind of like semi-professional work, it's a nice tool to like have on the side. I, I don't know. Do you agree, Pat? You've, you've used I've never and... had a use for the Apple Pencil. You don't? Um, you don't think it's worth it at all? The only thing that... Well, I don't draw or anything, right? The only yeah. thing that I think it's useful for in the context of what I do, and I, and I do believe that like it's very specific. It's like if, if you want to draw, 100% you need one. Yeah, is when I'm using Lightroom. Like if I'm doing finicky yeah. stuff with Lightroom, I can like move the dials and stuff like that because I do most of my photo editing on an iPad just because I, I find it easier. Um, uh, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, John, how do you feel? You use styles with surfaces device, surface devices yeah. quite often. So I was going to jump in and just kind of like, I haven't used an iPad or an Apple Pencil at all, so I can't really speak to those. But on the surface side of things, I never use it. Again, I'm also not an artist. I don't draw ever but I've Fair just enough. never felt a use for it um, other than the one thing that I regularly use a stylus for with a Windows device is when I get like NDA agreements. Oh, and, and stuff signing to sign. stuff. It's yeah, so it's much pretty, easier pretty to just handy. sign it rather than print it off. Okay. I do that on enough. Mac with the, like you go to preview and just add signature. That's yeah. That's like yeah. my favorite feature. Um, okay. So fair enough. Maybe you don't need the Apple pencil. I kind of well, like not. it. I think it, com- I think it completes the package. And I like agree with you. Magnets like, on here. Yeah. It's kind of just there, you know, like it, it would be a little less without it. It might I think not. it depends on what you want to do with it, right? Yeah. It really depends on what your plans are for the tablet. Like if you mm-hmm. have any interest in drawing or sketching or whatever, 100% get the Apple Pencil. It's expensive, but it's it's worth it. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the other thing to mention, what we're talking about, like if this, the iPad I recommend is it's like $629 in Canada or six forty-nine. It's like, it's very expensive. It's not a cheap iPad, like the base level iPad, the 10.2 inch guy over here, which I guess like for the video watchers, like here's a comparison of the screen or the size of the iPads. Um, it's like 429 so it's just like so much cheaper and you can do you know browse the web watch netflix watch youtube walk around speakers are fine do you know some light work you can travel with it review your photos if you have lightning and accessories to like adapt sd cards and things like that um and it saves you a lot of money but (laughs) it's not as fast it's not as portable if i was buying an ipad i'd be buying the mini i think it's just like it's a better it's a better device the small size lends itself to being more portable, which is, I think, what you want an iPad to be. You want it to be a portable device. And I think that is, like, a secret advantage. Plus USB-C. And then uh, what about the, to... the jelly scrolling and the, the the display pressure stuff? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. So the jelly scrolling thing is something that Dieter from The Verge noticed, and apparently some users have been returning their models as well, although I don't, like, don't have, like, super great confirmation on that. I think it was Mac Rumors reporting that one. But essentially the jelly scroll is... When you're holding the device in portrait mode, so like sort of the default way you would hold an iPhone, which for me actually wasn't the way I found myself holding it in landscape almost always. But if you hold it in portrait mode, which is you do sometimes, and you read websites with a lot of text and you scroll quite quickly, it seems like the left half of the screen will refresh just like half a millisecond before the right-hand side of the screen. So it will almost look like the left-hand side of the screen is being dragged up or down slightly faster than the other side, almost like 
it's sort of like waving. It's really hard to like describe. I'm like doing things on video with my hands. I don't know. Um, it's barely noticeable to the point where like I didn't notice it at all until it was like brought up to me. And if you're using it in like landscape mode, I don't even think it's noticeable. That's weird. Period. I also felt like I noticed it more on the verge. Like the font they use makes it more noticeable than when the font that we use in Mobile Syrup. Not that like our website is better. It's a, clearly an issue, but it just is more noticeable in some instances than others. To be honest, to the point where it's like negligible, not really a huge issue. Like if you're reading something at the speed in which you would read something, you wouldn't even notice it at all because you're pushing the screen so slowly that there's no like time for the refresh rates to unsync. It's only really when you're scrolling quite quickly and it's like, then again, like, why are you even going through pages? You know, it's like that you're not even, it's not like you're doing a useful function. You're just navigating further down a page, which is whatever. The bigger issue is the display pressure, which is like sometimes when you pick it up and you just like push down or like the weight of it as it's like resting and you pick it up on of your thumb on the screen, you'll notice like sort of LCD warping. Like if you reached out and touched your, you know, uh, monitor or your laptop screen pretty hard you can't really do it on phones usually they're pretty sturdy but see it on you'll see like a, all the time yeah you'll see a little bit of like lcd warping and i just saw that a little more often than i would have liked on the ipad and like especially sometimes when i was in photoshop i like turned on the pressure sensitivity aspect for the pencil so i could like mask things a little more subtly and i found like to get full pressure i would have to like push hard enough to cause a little bit of warping then too and it's just like is this did nobody test this? Is, am I pushing too hard? It's like seeming like it wants me to push this hard to get the full advantage of the feature. And I'm still seeing like this warping. So I still like my, what I stand still, what I said still stands. I still think it's my favorite iPad and I love it, but Apple has some clear ways to like improve it in the next one. And it's just like a better, a, a better quality screen in terms of like refresh rate, scrolling could probably be sharper, could probably more color accurate, brighter, and like a little bit thicker glass, I think. I just rambled well, I, for like way too long. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Did that no, come no, across? I, like, does that make I, sense? I, it makes sense. I still want one. Like, you still <laughs> yeah. have to convince me not to buy one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that's a good summary of what the iPad mini is. To me, it was the most exciting device from that event. Um, but yeah, let's, let's hit an ad break really quickly, and then we'll talk about uh, Surface. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Uh, I'm going to close my blinds more because I keep getting sun in my eyes. Go ahead. While we're not breaking. Fine. This will still be in the the video, but that's funny. Oh, will it? Is he... It'll still be there. I don't know. I could cut it out, but I guess it just like ruins the continuity. It's then like you don't have to cut it out. This oh, is not ad. help oh, at all. Okay. Well, I'll just have to uh, do this with my eyes closed. <laughs> Sunglasses. <laughs> so the Surface event was last week. It was very much like a whirlwind of an event. Um, we had the Surface Laptop Studio, the Surface Duo 2, the Surface Pro 8, the Surface Go 3. John, give us, I guess, the cliff notes of what each of these devices are and what's actually new in them. And then we'll just go into like asking you questions about them. All right. The cliff notes. Here we go. 
Uh, I'm going to do this in reverse order of how I have the tabs open. Uh, Surface Go 3, very subtle update. They basically just put in a new CPU, gave it eSIM support, boosted the battery. Just very simple, very basic. If you like small Surface devices, this is the one to get. The one to get. If you have the Surface Go 2, you probably don't need to upgrade. It's just a very basic spec bump. That's fair. Uh, the Surface Pro 8 also features a processor bump, a new 120 hertz display, and a very slight design refresh that brings it a little bit more in line with the Surface Pro X. Um, and part of that is support for some of the Surface Pro X accessories, like the Slim Pen and the new type cover that lets you put the Slim Pen in the cover that rather than sick. magneting it to the to the side of the Surface itself. Yeah, smart impl- implementation of a stylus. I like that more than what we see with like iPads and stuff. Oh, it's so yeah. much better. It's it's a really good update. It, it's a pretty small update, but it's a good one, and it's one that I would say has been needed for the Surface Pro line for a while. Um, the one other thing I will point out here is the Pro 8 features Th- Thunderbolt 4, which okay. is kind of surprising because previously it was reported that Microsoft was avoiding Thunderbolt over some sort of security issue that they had found with it. So I don't know if this means that the security issue has been fixed and now Microsoft is cool with Thunderbolt or if maybe something else happened or Microsoft just decided they don't care about the security issue anymore and people really wanted the feature. I don't know. Intel is probably just like shoveling money at them being like, don't leave us. Oh yeah. Yeah. Here's money. Talk with Thunderbolt money, please. We need you. Definitely. Uh, Next up we have the revamped surface duo two, which on paper is basically the surface duo one, but way, way, way better uh, in basically every way. Um, so we've got 5G support. We've got a modern processor with the Snapdragon 888. Finally. Triple rear camera setup, which is huge. Um, like huge yeah, to see overall, or a huge a, camera bump. A massive improvement on paper. Uh, it remains to be seen how well it works in person um, because a lot of the issues with the Surface Duo 1, I mean, like there was definitely hardware issues, but there was also software issues. So it'll be interesting to see if Microsoft has ironed out any of those software issues, particularly with using Android 11 on the Duo I, 2. Uh, I think they, that, have, they have to. It was so bad last year. Like, yeah. Didn't they do that thing where they embargoed all the YouTubers like, and the press even, I think, to an extent where it's like, you can talk about the outside first. Yeah, and then separate embargo to talk about software because they knew it was just going to like tank the reviews. Well, and an update came out too, wasn't there? Like right before release. Yeah, perhaps. And things things have improved on the Duo One, but I think the the key difference here is the Duo Two is launching with Android Eleven, and Android Eleven has native support for multiple screens. Mm. So that could be the game changer factor here because with I hope so the original Duo, which runs on Android Ten. Microsoft kind of had to do it themselves. Um, so I wonder if that is going to be the difference maker that might make the software kind of click a little bit better on the Duo 2. And it'll be interesting to see because Android 11, that update is supposed to come to the original Duo by the end of this year. Um, so I'm looking forward to testing that to see if that makes a difference at all to the software on the original Duo. Uh, and then so. the last one is the Surface Laptop Studio, which is 
basically a MacBook on a pedestal and also the screen can like come out can be whatever you want yeah um future seriously though like from from the top (laughs) this thing looks exactly like a macbook pro it looks sick to me i'm looking forward to you telling me why i shouldn't like it because i think that that's that's what's gonna happen um that's exactly what's gonna happen. i anticipate it being (laughs) like so heavy yeah Yeah, it does look heavy it looks heavy should we just get straight into the the surface laptop studio yeah sure since we're already talking about it like so when i saw this i thought it looked really cool um it in some ways reminded me of like the huawei matebook that is also like a macbook knockoff but it's it's like it's a surface device the the versatility of it looked really neat i was really excited what about versatility it, just the ability to like move the screen around i live in a mac world man where like nothing but like you can screen. move like most of the ways you can move that screen can be accomplished on your it, mac other than going flat to draw on it every it other way into like a three tent. positions yeah, but dude, like that's it. The tent, the the way the screen is at a tent is just at an angle like this, right? Like you could do that with your computer just by like tilting the screen okay, back, sure. like Fair enough. six Fair and enough. six degrees, and like moving your just a little closer to you. You know, like so, it, it doesn't achieve that much more. Yeah. So the the issue with the Surface Laptop Studio, based on my understanding, I think The Verge and maybe a couple other publications have already had an opportunity to go hands on with it. Unfortunately, we haven't. But from what I've read, the laptop studio has three positions that it can be in. It can be in the normal laptop mode. It can be in the flat tablet mode, or it can be in the in-between kind of tent mode where the screen kind of pops out to cover the keyboard, but it doesn't cover the trackpad. And you can't position it in two different positions because there's no like tension in the hinge. So it just kind of magnets into those three positions and that's it it doesn't support any other position which is the only positions you'd ever need significantly reduces the versatility of it interesting okay Um, you're you're de-exciting me yeah the the, i don't like if you're really hyped for the surface laptop studio (laughs) great like be hyped but also like understand what it is that you're actually getting okay and the way that i look at it is it it's like a super over-engineered solution to a really niche problem, yeah. which is being able to draw on a laptop screen with a stylus. Because um, if you have a traditional clamshell laptop, it's kind of annoying to draw on the screen because you've got your keyboard the there. And some of the solutions to that issue are the 360-degree two-in-ones where you can fold the screen all the way around so that it's like a tablet. Yeah, That works great. There's the Surface Pro line where it is just a tablet with a detachable keyboard. That's also pretty great. And that's basically what the Surface Book was before Microsoft killed it for the Laptop Studio, which is like a weird easel that you can't ever remove the keyboard from. I guess, are there any other like, is, is maybe I guess the, the big selling feature here that it has the 30, like it has an integrated graphics card. Like I guess maybe do, thir- do 360 degree hinge laptops maybe typically stay away from integrated graphics cards? Yeah, uh, that could be a, an argument. I mean, uh, over on that desk, you can't see it um, because of where my camera is. But I do have a Lenovo Yoga laptop. I don't remember what the exact name is. CXY93 something. 
like memorable. That. Um, yeah. yeah, very memorable. But it's this Lenovo headphones. Yoga laptop that has the 360-degree hinge, um, and it has a discrete GPU in it like the uh, Surface laptop does. It's an old. This Lenovo laptop is an older laptop, so obviously it's not as powerful, but even for what but you like, get it fits in the, in the form studio, factor. Yeah, it fits in that that form factor. So I don't know. I think a smarter version of the laptop studio would have been one with a 360 degree hinge that you could bend around. Like to me, that seems way more useful than this weird three position easel tent thing that Microsoft has going on. Okay. You've you've made me no longer want it, but let's talk about the duo. Wait, wait, I... wait, 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 wait. What, 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 what? We got to talk. We, we've talked about the top half of the, we've only talked about the top, we've only yeah. talked about the it top half. It looks like half. a Mac. Uh, yeah, we but the, we it's talked. on a pedestal. It yeah. has a little cove where the, the Surface Pen 2 sticks like a bat roosting at night, like oh, really? underneath the ledge. What? <laughs> that's yeah. A, that's an incredible description, but that's exactly what it is. So, you know, wow. imagine if I didn't even MacBook, catch that from the briefing. Yeah. Yeah. This is the craziest exactly part. Like this is. This is why we were we were debating whether or not you can maybe fit the GPU in a in a regular three hundred sixty inch laptop. I see. I get it now. Because okay. like I get it. We thought maybe that extra space that it's pedestaled up on. You go, John. You explain it. Yeah, I like. I don't know. You can see it in the header image on my story pretty well, but there's literally this like chunk on the bottom. So imagine if your MacBook had a second smaller MacBook attached to the bottom of it. Yeah, like it was sitting. That's, like I you did had not like notice this at all before. I know so many of the pictures like hide it. They like to yeah. like top downs and like from weird angles. But like, imagine That's if crazy. you had a, a like say a fifteen inch MacBook and it was sitting on top of a yeah, thirteen no, inch MacBook, and then you yeah. picked it up and it was wow. like, oh wait, this is all one computer. Although there was no a smaller idea. computer underneath. It's like they just made like a wide sort of ledge around yeah. it. Which is like super strange and weird, and to me, <laughs> like it looks really really heavy. The only good thing I can say about it is you can like magnet the slim pen, the surface slim pen to the bottom of that lip. So it's like like out out of the the way way and and like kind of tucked. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. But like if that's the whole reason this pedestal thing exists, it's really silly to me. Like even as you'd be typing, like your your wrist would have to be like raised up more than the average laptop it looks like because of this like pedestal and like i guess maybe it's good for airflow maybe it could be a case made for that but yeah there's a lot of like grill on the bottom yeah and like it seems like kind of be unobstructed because a lot of like the heat generating components are like lifted up off the table in a sort of sense i don't know it's weird but yeah that's i we had to touch on that pat but we no i agree i didn't i didn't realize that yeah, and isn't that weird? Like, as someone who just sort of so realized strange. it, how do you feel that you've been like misled up until this point? Like, isn't that? I don't know. Isn't if, that weird, man? Like, I don't know if I've really been misled, or it's just me not having the time to look at the renders in a detailed manner. But like, but that that isn't something that I was aware of at all. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Sure, it is misleading. I, I would I would say that. It's it's very strange, and if we're gonna go with the argument that it's raised for better airflow. Like, why didn't Microsoft put in better hardware? Like, I think the yeah. highest-end GPU that you can get in the consumer version is a RTX 3050 Ti, uh, which is not going to be enough. Because I think this thing also has a 120 hertz uh, display. Yeah, And it's like, if you're gaming, a 350 Ti is not going to do well at 120 but hertz. 
I think they're marketing um, this more towards creators than gamers, right? And they are they are marketing it more towards creators, but even then, like a 350 Ti just doesn't seem like a lot. It'll be helpful in Photoshop and stuff like that, but it's like you I you could do better. Yeah, that, you could definitely could, and it's yeah, it's like you know points are at the top of the line as you would expect in, in terms of like the price that this thing is at and how Microsoft is marketing it, but. I think for comparison, like I'm running, uh, what is it, AMD 3800X, which is like a fairly decent processor, but only a AMD Radeon 5700 graphics card, which is like, I think kind of rated a little lower than a 2060. And I still edit like 4K video and stuff. So like, I feel like, I feel like you could get a, a pretty good chunk of work done in the laptop with the 3050 considering it is like such a newer graphics card you know you're getting like dlss and all that kind of stuff yeah for gaming yeah that's definitely um, true. but the, i get your point for like what the cost of it is it's like you didn't you couldn't get like a 3080 in there guys like what in the interest of time let's talk about some of the the other devices so there's a surface yeah. duo too i really was super harsh on the first surface duo because that's when foldable phones were first becoming a thing and it seemed like it was blossoming behind anything samsung was doing now Still is i guess but now i like kind of see the utility of a dual screen phone um and i'm maybe not so enthusiastic about foldable devices but I think the biggest issue beyond software, which we have no idea if they fixed that, was the camera. Like the camera was trash in the Duo, the first Duo. Is that something that they fixed in the Duo 2, at least according to the presentation, John? Yeah, for sure. So basically on paper, Microsoft took every bad hardware decision from the Duo 1 and fixed it. Um, so the Duo 2, we'll st I'll start with the camera because that's what you asked about. It's got a triple rear camera array, which is already a huge improvement because the original Duo only had the selfie camera. And so if you wanted to take pictures, you had to fold it around so that you could take pictures with the selfie camera. Um, so minimal, but so stupid. So dumb. Yeah. Uh, I understand why they went with that decision initially, but it was not a great one. Yeah. Um, the So triple rear camera, there's a 12 megapixel wide camera which I hate when companies do that. It's just called the primary lens. Yeah. It's not a wide. Apple does uh, There's a 16 megapixel ultra wide and there's a 12 megapixel telephoto lens. So hardware wise, huge improvement. Um, and the selfie camera is also improved. It's up from an, an 11 megapixel to a 12 megapixel camera. Um, so all around better cameras. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out uh, in real world testing with software optimizations and all that stuff. Um, but hopefully it's better than the surface duo. I would imagine that it will be better than the original duo just because of the hardware improvements. Um, but I would hope that Microsoft works in some good software as well to kind of balance that. So I think why the hell I think it'll be passable so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, let's get Bill Gates on. We got Bill Gates on line one. Bill, you come in here and answer. No, like, cause oh, here's a perfect example. I'll give like, I know we're, we're running over, but like, here's a good anecdote. My brother has been waiting for this phone. Like this is something that he, His whole life. Uh, he, like, he wanted the original one, the original duo. Yeah. He didn't buy it because of the camera issues. He's been waiting for this one. He knows it's coming. He's asked me about it a couple times. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't write about Microsoft stuff anymore. 
but he's not going to get it anymore because it costs so much. He didn't expect it to be priced that high. Is there a reason it's... why Microsoft's hitting that price point? Because like last year, we saw the, was it even last year? I guess it was last year, the Duo, like the price was cut really, really quickly. So the Duo 2 is only like somewhere between 60 and and $100 more expensive than the original Duo okay. was at launch. And the original Duo saw really significant price cuts really quickly because nobody was buying it, in part because it was bad. Um, I would imagine that given enough time, the Surface Duo 2 will also see price cuts uh, if nobody buys it. But there's been seemingly a lot more hype and excitement around the Duo 2 because it is much better hardware. So I don't know if that same trend will happen. As for why it costs so much, um, honestly, I kind of have two reasons for this or two theories, I guess, would be the best way to put it. The first one is the chip shortage. Um, we've seen plenty of reports that indicated the chip shortage would inflate smartphone prices. So I wouldn't be surprised if that has at least a partial role in what's going on here because the Duo 2 is using the Snapdragon 888, which is also used by most other Android flagship phones. Um, so there's probably a bit of uh, con contention for getting that chip uh, with the, sh the ongoing shortages. The other thing is Microsoft tends to, I would say, inflate the pricing of its Surface hardware. Uh, so you see the same thing with its laptops, you know, all, all of its Surface hardware is usually a little bit more expensive than what you could get from other manufacturers. And you, know, you could argue that, oh, well, the Surface laptop has a better build quality than something that you would get from Dell or HP. Sure, but like, is it worth that extra amount of money? So I think there's a little bit of that going on too, where Microsoft is saying, hey, we think our hardware is really good and top notch. And so we're going to you know, charge a premium for it. And then the last reason why I think that the Duo 2 is as expensive as it is, is that there's no carrier partners. So the only option, if you want to buy it, is that you buy it all at once up point. front. And so that makes the price, even though it's not really that much more expensive than other phones on the market, it's still like, it feels a lot more expensive because you can't finance it the same way that you would an iPhone. That makes sense. I, Bennett, I only have one other thing that I wanted to ask John. If there's anything that you wanted to, to ask away, go for it. Uh, now? I can ask him now? Yeah, you can. Um, woo. Uh, well, the one thing I just wanted to talk about was on the Duo was the like, new notification hinge. What do you guys think about that? Did you notice that one, Pat? Like That, was, that um, is sick. Yeah, it is really I, cool. I think, it's a cool idea. Like, it's not much to say about it. Basically, when you have the phone closed, since there's two just screens, you can kind of like see through the hinge and it will like light up to show you notifications. It's, um, it's kind of like the almost, edge displays on Samsung phones, but but better. Yeah, it's almost so. like they've curved the edge of the in, inner the inner edge of the screen so that when it's clo closed, you can still see a bit of the screen. The neat idea. Through the hinge. It's a really neat idea and it's, it's great because one of my main, or well, one of the many issues that I had with the original duo was that there was no way to see incoming notifications without opening the device, right? There's yeah. no notification light to that blinks or flashes when stuff comes in and you know, you don't get the benefit of the always on display because you have it closed. 
it does have this like neat kind of peak function where if you open the screen a little bit, but not all the way, you can see like the clock. So you can kind of see that, oh, it turned on. But if you, this is the original duo. If you open it up, you can see like the clock on the edge there. So you kind of get like well, an always on display mean, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But the, the hinge thing is a much, much better and more interesting and unique idea. I think that solves that problem in a, in a better, in a better way. Yeah, there's something about the uniqueness of it that just like feels right. It's like, oh, that's smart. Good on you. That's it. So the the last thing that I wanted to ask relates to the Surface Pro 8. The Pro line seems to be like in some ways the most popular like Surface device that's been around the longest. I remember like when the first one came out, I remember reviewing the Surface Pro 3 a bazillion years ago, and it really felt like the line hit its stride with that device. What... I'm curious about is it feels like it really just hasn't changed that much in the last couple of years. Like I know the pro eight has like reduced bezels. I believe it's 120 Hertz screen as well. Right. Panos Panay has changed more yeah. in the surface line. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's a good point, right? Like you're joking, but like, I'm not, I'm, I guess yeah. I'm interested in your insight in this, John is like, why is Microsoft not willing to change the surface pro specifically in a significant way. Like the design's been very similar for quite some time. And like, I know Apple does the same thing, but just curious what your perspective is on that. I think it's a couple of things. I think it's to an extent, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. Like the Surface Pro design works and it's still really unique. Other Windows manufacturers have tried to emulate it, but I don't think anything has done it nearly as successfully or as well as Microsoft has with, with the Surface Pro line. Um, so I think that's part of it. And I think the other part of it is that um, Microsoft makes a lot of stuff primarily for business. And okay, I didn't the even Surface Pro line is definitely a popular business item. I know my dad, for example, where he used to work, they outfitted everybody with Surface Pros one year. Um, and that's what everybody had. And everybody had like a dock station in the office so they could get to work. They pull their Surface Pro out of their briefcase. They sit it on the dock and then they've got like a full desktop setup with multiple monitors and a keyboard and boom, boom, boom. They work away all day. And then if they needed to go to a different site, they could bring their Surface Pro with them and have everything in their computer they have their entire computer system with them right did they like that and that i think awesome. i think that that kind of work office type setup is going to grow in popularity especially post pandemic because a lot of businesses are going to transition into like a shared office kind of thing where you, people come in with their work laptop or work device and they connect it to a dock and they have their desktop set up while they're in the office okay. and then they can unplug their device and leave so, so that's kind of like the, the mentality for that to work yeah so okay, part okay. of it is that where the docking system that Microsoft has, I think, works off of the Surface Connect port. So Microsoft is never going to ditch the Surface Connect port because if they did, it would screw over a bunch of businesses. And that's kind of where it comes down to is anytime that Microsoft doesn't change something in the Surface Pro that everybody thinks needs to be changed, it's probably be because some business somewhere needs that item. That's why right. the Surface Pro had USB-A slots. Forever. Forever. And even is when that... everything else was on USB-C and everybody was like, this is dumb. Why is there still a USB-A port on the Surface? It's because some business probably needed it. Like the Surface Connect port is the magnetic charging port? 
Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I to clarify it. that. No, no, no. That's okay. I, I hate that port. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, I'm talking. I've, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm talking to you guys right now on like a Surface laptop and it's got one USB-A, one USB-C, one headphone jack and the stupid connect port. And it's like, well, I, I would I would kill for another USB-C instead of that connect port. Yeah, people people give Apple a hard time for the port selection on the Macs, but honestly, like the Surface line has a more diverse port selection, but it's not a great port selection. Yeah, well, it's I think, still very limited. I think at some point, like it's a little easier to forgive the USB C situation on the Mac now that it's like so far, like when yeah. it first back in 2016, it was a bigger issue. Like so many things use USB C now that's a little more acceptable. It's it's easier to criticize Apple for the SD card slot stuff because I would even argue that it's it's worse to an extent with Windows PCs because now a lot of Windows PCs do have USB C charging, okay, but it's pro- proprietary charging. Oh yeah, that, cables. That lovely. So you, you still get but, that yeah. that ugly cable with the massive brick on it, and the only difference is that now the end is USB C. And sure, like I could plug my USB C Windows laptop into the same charger that I used to charge my Pixel phone, but it gives me a bunch of warnings about how it's charging slowly, and I shouldn't do it. The one port not to rule them all, basically. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, was like it, this is probably a good place to wrap it up. Was there any any final thoughts that anybody had? Uh, we didn't talk about the Surface Pro X. What happened there, guys? The Surface Pro X, I think, got exactly <laughs> like what Microsoft. it needed to. And what do you mean? Shoved behind the curtain and like punched in the the head? No, no, no. I uh, even though it didn't get a lot of airtime, the Surface Pro no X got at all a lower cost Wi Fi only model, which I think is a smart move. And sure, here's here's my like one minute hot take is all right, yeah, okay. Microsoft needs windows on arm to be a big thing it's not a big thing the issue is that the only viable surface or sorry the only viable windows device with an arm chip is the surface pro x and it's way too expensive yeah nobody's gonna buy it there are other arm devices out there but they suck and so we're kind of in the stage where microsoft needs to create a compelling reason to buy a windows device with an arm chip in it that doesn't exist and I think the solution is to make a cheap, good ARM device. And so launching a Wi-Fi only Pro X that's cheaper is a step towards that. I, I think so. that the Surface Go, the next Surface Go should have an ARM option because that's like mm. the ideal thing. It's a low power device primarily for like media consumption and web browsing. That's like that's an good, ideal platform to put an ARM chip in. It blows my mind that Microsoft hasn't done that yet. It was a good one minute yeah, hot take. That's my two cents yeah. on. It was a good, no, good hot take. That makes a arm. lot of that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I was just sad. It's just like Apple. They announced they're like we're going ARM, and like here we are. What is it? A year later, they're about to put more ARM laptops in the market. We've already seen a whole bunch. And they're it's really fine. great. People like them a lot, and they like perform well. Uh, I, would, I believe Microsoft announced the Surface Pro X before Apple's transition to ARM, and like instead of rushing to accept and i know like there's so many business qualifications and things are different and i'm not saying they have to move everything over to arm um but to like to not even mention the surface pro x and to not like bring any meaningful like power or like software improvements although there was like some different compatibility with like x68 or 86 i don't know there's some more app compatibilities that also like got announced behind the scenes but it's just like yeah 
it, it's I just would... sad to see them not competing like super hard. Although I'm sure that they are, and behind the scenes, I'm sure there's a lot of competition. But like, I, I do agree with I agree with that to an extent. I think it's not an entirely fair comparison uh, to do Apple's ARM effort with Microsoft's because Apple has the benefit of owning and controlling their entire hardware hardware ecosystem like microsoft has to develop windows and manage it to work on an ecosystem of products from various manufacturers so it's a little bit of a different story and it's going to be a much slower process seeing a windows to arm transition and the other part of it is that microsoft has to do that transition while also still supporting windows on intel and amd chips uh, because I just don't see Microsoft abandoning those at this point, and I don't see them abandoning abandoning those chips anytime in the future because it's going to be a long time, I think, before ARM is actually powerful enough to take on Intel and AMD chips in a lot of the higher-end desktop scenarios that we have now. Yeah, it Could it happen? I... Absolutely. I just think it's probably still several years away. I think that's a good We're going to have Amazon robots in our house before it happens. Sorry, Pat. Yeah. You can go. Let me wrap up the podcast. I have fine, to. I must. Fine, fine. We're so far over at this point. I think we're like at an hour and a half or something like that. We're at an hour and 17 minutes. An hour and 17 minutes. Like those setting a world record here. Um, yeah, I, I think this week we're just going to skip the games we've been playing because we've gone so far over and i don't know if anybody actually has anything significant to discuss about that i know i don't for sure Maybe like i see in the notes that you played stardew valley on an ipad bennett yeah for one hour <laughs> I, I could complain at length about destiny 2 if you wanted but no I, we could save no. that for another podcast. good we'll, we'll save that for another podcast so that's we'll it sub in one from a previous podcast <laughs> yeah that's it thanks for listening to the servecast you can find me on twitter at, at patrick underscore rourke and of course on mobilesurf.com Bennett, where can people find you? You can find me anywhere at the Brad Fad. How about you, John? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Lamont. That's J-O-N underscore L-A-M-O-N-T. And also on the website, mobilesyrup.com. And as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at mobilesyrup. Thanks for listening and watching. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.